Blog Talk Radio. show is now in the air, spotlighted on badredheadmedia.com as a top author podcast on the web today and called a total blast of a show for writers. My name is Robert Batista, and with over 200 shows now in cyberspace, the Funky Writers Show is now a cultural icon. Connect with us on the exciting Twitter page by going to at the funky writer. You see, it's not just a story. Ever since I was a kid, I would have these amazing dreams of flying. Not just in the sky soaring among the clouds, but in my house. I would slowly drift through the hallways into the living room and the kitchen. I could push off a wall and change my direction, roll my body around in all directions, or just hover still in one spot. Eventually, I turned this into a short story. These are the fascinating words of today's guest, Timothy Trimble. Welcome to the Funky Writer Show, Timothy Trimble. Thank you, Robert. It's a pleasure being here. Well, it's uh, been some time coming. We've both been anticipating this, so I'm excited to have you, Timothy. Timothy, your Amazon bio states that you are an author, freelance writer, technologist, and software developer, basically a geek who likes to write, quote, unquote. So tell me, who came first, the writer or the geek? <laughs> Definitely the writer. Uh, junior high school is when I first started uh, pinning stories. And what was the early stories about? Angst, love, uh, drama? You know, what, what were those stories about back in junior high? Uh, primarily science fiction, uh, just making up fantastical situations and writing about them. I think one of my very first stories was about a kid whose father disappeared and the kid stumbled across a uh, an orb in his father's closet. And when he touched it, he ended up shrinking down into this micro miniature world where he then began a search for his father. 
Very interesting. Sounds like a fascinating story. Some kid would write at 12 years old. Uh, I'm impressed. Um, Timothy, you've also written for Microsoft Press. Talk about how you came to write for such a behemoth of a company like Microsoft, and what exactly did you write for them? Well, um, I kind of stumbled into it, actually. Uh, I've always been interested in airplanes and aircraft and uh, managed to do a little bit of uh, flying training when I was uh, in my uh, early 20s. But uh, when Microsoft's Flight Simulator came out, I was fascinated with it, and I, uh, I spent many thousands of hours on the flight simulator, and it came to me that it has application to real-world aviation. So I, I penned an article um, relating how to use the software package along with real-world pilot materials, maps, and such, and I did an article, and uh, I, I contacted uh, Plane and Pilot Magazine, and they ran that article as a cover story. Uh, and then Microsoft contacted me and asked me if I'd be interested in writing a book about Flight Simulator for them. And, of course, I said, let me get back to you, and I went and landed an agent. <laughs> 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 so Microsoft contacted you. Wow, man, that's awesome. So, and most of my audience, I'm sure, has read or at least seen the popular For Dummies books. I happen to own one myself called Golf For Dummies. There is one called FileMaker Pro For Dummies that you yourself have authored. And it also says that you are a FileMaker software developer. Timothy, talk about the genesis of how this book was created. Okay. Um, well, as a FileMaker developer, uh, I was kind of disappointed with the offerings of material that was out there. Um, there was a lot of beginners-type books, and there were a lot of really deep diving uh, programming-type books, technology-wise in FileMaker, but nothing that kind of filled the middle ground. And uh, so I, I put together an outline of what I thought would be a good FileMaker book, and I presented that to my agent, and she shopped it around, and uh, she came back to me with wanting to know if I'd be interested in writing a dummies book because they were interested in having something that uh, presented a little more meat rather than just the bare-bone basics. And so that's kind of how that began. And uh, six months later, uh, the book came to market. Well, it seems like you're always at the right place at the right time. So now let's jump into your exciting book, your new effort called Airborne. Um, let's start with the title. Besides the obvious, is there another meaning? Not really. Um, it's basically uh, about a race of people who live here on Earth that have the ability to fly. And it's not like superhumans. It's not like uh, superheroes. There's no capes or wings involved. It's just an ability that they have. And, uh, yeah. That's basically it. 
Okay, because I noticed Born was spelled B-O-R-N as opposed to B-O-R-N-E, which would be airborne. So I thought maybe there was another meeting. So, Timothy, I also love the captivating cover of your book. Um, did you design it yourself, and what is its symbolism? Uh, I did not design it myself, but uh, a, a great illustrator that I work with, his name is Russell uh, Calhoun, and uh, he does amazing business illustrations. And uh, he heard me talking about what I was looking for in a uh, cover for this story. And I wanted it to be something captivating, something that, you know, would catch people's eyes on the shelf. Uh, but I also wanted it to be something that depicted a situation that's a scene that's in the story itself. And uh, right. he did an amazing job of capturing that. Um, I'm, I was so happy with how it turned out. And everyone who has seen the cover, that's their first comment about the book is that the cover is just amazing. Yeah, that, that cover really, really, really works. Um, Timothy, legend has it that this adventure began with the writing of a short story called Love is in the Air for the Edmonds Write On the Sound Writers Conference. Talk about what went into your decision to evolve this short story into a longer piece and give it its metaphorical wings and rebirth into this new novel called Airborne. How did that process go from one to the other? Well, as uh, you kind of opened there a little bit with my description of my dreams as, as a kid of, of flying, um, that has always kind of stuck with me. And I had always wanted to find the right situation where I could capture that feeling of being that free in the air. And when I was getting ready to attend the conference in Edmonds a little over three years ago, um, they wanted a short story to be submitted that focused on the Pacific Northwest. And it had to be 1,500 words or less. And I sat down one night, and I came up with this idea of the main character hovering over the forest and the mountains of the Cascades and Mount Rainier. And he, he's just enjoying the scenery and the freedom of, of being there when he comes across seeing someone else in the clouds. And it happens to be a girl and then she disappears, and he struggles with trying to find her again, and he's devastated because he can't. And then toward the end of the story, he, he manages to find her, but actually, in fact, what was happening is that she was watching him. And so I turned that in to the writer's conference. It didn't win anything, which was okay, but I felt so good about getting it done and getting it out there. And I sent it to my editor. I was currently working on Zegan's Adventures, a sci-fi book. And my editor said, you have to stop everything you're doing right now and turn this into a novel because the feel of it is amazing. And the angst of young love mixed with the freedom of flying 
and she said I had I just had to stop everything and turn it into a book. So I outlined the entire story and uh, started the writing process. Timothy, you have graciously agreed to read some of your exciting book for us. Can you set up the part you will read before doing so? Uh, Absolutely. Um, The piece I'm going to read is uh, in the second chapter of Airborne. And this is the main character. His name is Leaf uh, at middle school age. And his situation in school and he's been having these amazing dreams himself of being able to fly but um, he doesn't have the real ability yet to do so and uh, that's where this cuts into this next scene okay Uh, I'll go ahead and start Um, the middle school hallway It was like a freeway on a Monday morning. Everyone scrambling for books, girls refreshing their makeup or socializing, and the jocks scanned the lemmings looking for new victims. Hey, Leaf, came the call from the end of the hallway. Leaf peeked out from behind his locker door to see three of the varsity players strolling down the hallway looking his direction. You get that MySpace page up yet? One of the Jocks jibed as the others laughed along with him. The din of the hallway quieted as the students all looked in Leaf's direction, wondering if they were going to get to see some entertainment before the ringing of the first bell. Leaf closed his locker door and gave the combination lock a spin. He responded back with his best in-your-face attitude. No, Dave. You managed to get something higher than a C in math this year? He turned to face the three as they came within arm's length and stopped. Dude, that really hurts, man. Dave responded and pretended to be hurt. He reached up to give Leaf a high five and then yelled, Yeah, buddy, Dave's got a B plus. Leaf connected with the high five as the other two jocks gave him a playful shove. The crowd turned back to their normal, loud activities, disappointed there wasn't going to be a fight this morning. Thanks to you, man, Dave continued. That trick you showed me in algebra made sense. Once I had it, I could solve all those other formulas. Coach is glad I get to stay on the team with my improved grade. The bell for first period rang, and everyone started to scatter into their assigned rooms. Got to run, guys, Leaf added. Halo round tonight? He asked as he opened the door for his morning homeroom class. Not tonight, man. Got to practice, Dave answered as the door closed behind Leaf. Leaf scanned the room briefly to see if she was in her assigned seat. Don't stare, he told himself as he sat down in his chair. Does she even know I exist? He placed his backpack under his seat and fumbled with his notepad, taking a few extra seconds to catch a glimpse of Karina while she was busy writing something. Most likely something for extra credits, he figured. She looked up for a split second, and he quickly pulled his notebook up and looked back to the front of the class, but not without catching just a split second of eye contact. Enough to connect, but not enough to acknowledge his existence. I'm such a moron. Class, the sixth period will be 15 minutes shorter due to a special rally in the auditorium this afternoon, said their teacher, Mr. Lee. So how was everyone's weekend? 
Max, you can start. As each student rattled off their boring weekends, Leif thought back to his dream last night. It was so real. There has to be a way to do it. Why else would I have such an incredible dream? He gazed out the windows on the left of the classroom. The sky was incredibly clear today, and he could see the snow-topped peaks of the Cascades in the distance. I'm sure Karina would notice me if I could fly. Leif felt himself drift into a daydream. It started with him slowly rising from his chair. He crossed his legs and hovered a foot above his desktop. The whole class gaped in amazement as he turned to face Karina. He floated over to her desk and held out his hand. She reached out and held it and sheepishly giggled. She rose up from her chair, too, as Leif stretched out and headed for the side windows with Karina in tow. He opened the window and turned to look at Mr. Lee. Permission to be excused, sir? Sap! His daydream collapsed around him as the sound of Mr. Lee's palm slapping his desk brought him back to reality, surrounded by the amused faces of his classmates. Excuse for what, Leif? The class erupted in laughter as Mr. Lee's question. Nothing, sir, said Leif as he quickly came to his senses. I wrote code all weekend, sir, he added. You wrote code? Yes, sir, Leif paused. I'm writing a firewall for a protocol to prevent jocks or anyone else from hacking into the grades database. The class laughed again while Mr. Lee shook his head and moved on to the next student. Leaf laughed and turned to see if Karina was looking. She was. He smiled at her and turned back and hoped she wouldn't notice how nervous he was. Score! Now if I could just get up the nerve to go speak with her. The bell rang and the class quickly bolted for the doors. Leaf grabbed his pack, stuffed in his notebook, and headed for the rear exit, hoping to get within talking distance of Karina. He looked up just in time to see the back of her head as she headed out the door. He paused for a few seconds, then slowly headed for the other door. Sadly reasoning, if she was really interested in him, she would have at least given him some sort of sign. There you go. Yeah, I enjoy that. Wow. Uh, Timothy, thanks so much for that. So on your website, you write, I am so thankful for all the support, feedback, comments, and love I received during this journey. My family, friends, workmates, beta readers, associates, and yes, even strangers on the street have contributed to the growth of this novel. Timothy, can you talk a little bit about this journey and how all these people had a hand in contributing in this magnificent outcome? Absolutely. Um, since it was my first endeavor at writing what's basically called young adult urban fantasy, I wanted to make sure that the story had the right feeling to it. And uh, so what I did is once I finished the outline, I began speaking with people about my writing this book. And I started recruiting people to become beta readers in that as soon as I finished a chapter, a rough draft, I would send it to these beta readers and then they would read it and give me feedback on what they thought about it. So I had a lot of beta readers. I started out with probably about six 
uh, with the first one to five chapters, and then I expanded that to about 20. And uh, they all gave me feedback verbally and by email uh, on the story. I got some great feedback about capturing the thinking of a 12-year-old in middle school. You know, it's been a while since I've been there. And just making right. sure I have a great <laughs> feeling, yeah. And also people at work uh, kind of would ask me how it's going, what kind of progress I was making, and that was great. Good support there. Um, my dear wife, uh, you know, she, she knows she's married to a writer, so she's put up with my eccentricities there. And I made cards um, when the story started to become available for a preview on inkit.com. And I would hand these cards out to basically anybody I came across. And people were graciously taking the cards, going to the site and reading and uh, just increasing the readership of the story. So it showed that it was being accepted. People were interested in it. And it gave me the impetus to to carry on and, and carry the torch. Timothy, I'd like to know more about Inkit.com. Uh, we have so many authors and up-and-coming authors listening to the show. What exactly is this site, and um, what did you use it for? Well, originally, I, uh, I used Medium.com as a place for posting some of my short stories. And while Medium.com is a good site, uh, I soon discovered it's mainly for journalistic type stories, which I'm okay. really not doing. So I went looking for another site that would give me the ability to publish some of my short stories. And uh, that's when I came across Inkit.com, and it's I-N-K-I-T-T.com. And so I right. posted my short stories, and I got some good feedback from people and from readers because it was more for fiction writing. And I decided, you know, uh, Airborne, the draft is done. It's currently in editing. I'm going to go ahead and expose it and let people in the public be exposed to it and kind of get their feedback and see how the readership is just to get a feel for it while I was going through the editing and formatting process. And the response was amazing. Um, I got five-star reviews from people, uh, readership in the three short months that was there, uh, over, uh, well, over 900 readers uh, read the story, and, which gave me a lot of hope for when it was time to go to publishing. So it was a great place for gaining some exposure, doing what I call inbound marketing. I give something out for free, let people get to know who I am, and then they get drawn in as a reader. Let's talk about Timothy Trimble, the person. Where did you grow up, and what was your childhood like? Well, uh, I was an Army brat, so we kind of moved around a lot of different places. But uh, primarily, we settled uh, into Indianapolis after my father was discharged. Uh, so most of my growing up, my teenage years into my early 20s, uh, was living in Indianapolis, Indiana, which is a great place to grow up. Uh, right. I lived close to the track. Uh, I was an only child, and I was, uh, I guess I was kind of geeky then. I was into science and math and 
uh, physics and that type of thing. And probably the greatest gift my parents ever gave me was a set of encyclopedias, uh, which came with a 20-set volume of books on literature and different types of literature. And I devoured those. Yeah. I just devoured those when I was right before I got into uh, junior high. And that's probably the spark that started me uh, on looking at doing writing. What were some of the books and authors that inspired you in your youth? Uh, Well, the books there were, there was one volume on Mark Twain, there was another volume on Lewis Carroll, uh, Alice in Wonderland, Alice Through the Looking Glass. Um, there was Aesop's Fables. There was uh, Greek mythology, Shakespeare, uh, Lord of the Rings, which really piqued my interest in that. How could somebody create such fantastical worlds just as a fantasy? Uh, and right. then I came across... Yeah. Then I came across some science fiction, H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. And oh, yeah. Science. Yeah. That story just fascinated me. And uh, that kind of sparked my interest in going down the sci-fi path. I read one book by H.G. Wells, which I will never forget, The Invisible Man. Oh, what a brilliant, brilliant story that was. Um I'd like to, Timothy, discuss your dynamic Zegan books called Zegan's Infection and Zegan's Abduction. Who is Zegan, and what are these adventurous novels about? (laughs) I kind of refer to these stories, they're short stories, but I kind of refer to them as Saturday afternoon matinees uh, because that's kind of how they read. And Zegan is basically a futuristic MacGyver. Um, he, he's mustered out of the military, and he, he's geeky. He's a computer whiz. He's an electronics whiz. And he just does repair work and fix-it work on spaceships. But in the process, he always manages to get caught up in some kind of a situation. And uh, Zegan's infection is about him trying to track down a computer virus that has infected a starship. And it okay. almost causes, yeah, it almost causes an incident with the local space military group during that process. So these are like vignettes. They're like little novellas. Um, and you've written two so far, so uh, it's probably, you know, unlimited what, what you can do with it. I'm, I'm sure you'll probably write some more. Um, Timothy, let's talk a, a little bit about publishing process. How do you publish your stories? Do you go mainstream, independent, or do you go the self-publishing route? And explain why this works for you. Uh, absolutely. Um, well, my first two books were technical books, uh, nonfiction, and I went the traditional route with that, you know, Microsoft Press, uh, Wiley right. Publishing. And uh, so that gave me a taste of what it was like to just 
basically release the book, the content, and they take care of everything else. Um, that was okay, but um, it kind of limited my control over where the books go and, and the marketing that gets done. And the industry since then has changed tremendously. The offerings right, that are right, out there now. Yeah. So with Vegan's Adventures, I decided, you know, I'm going to put these together and do a small book and try this process out as a indie publisher and see how it works. And I did that and I learned a lot. I learned a lot about formatting, editing, doing quality work. Uh, it's very important to hire an editor and it's very important to hire an artist so that when you do release something independently, it's quality because there's a lot of people who think they can just throw a story together, some computer graphics, and then post it on Amazon. And there's been so much stuff I've looked at on Amazon that is, it's just a poor quality, sorry to say. And it kind of turns people off. So with Zegans, I discovered that if I do quality work, it can be accepted. And it taught me how to go through the process in preparation for doing Airborne as a full-length novel. Right. So I went and through what? Oh, okay. go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. I went through Amazon. Yeah, I went through Amazon and CreateSpace. And CreateSpace now has what's called an expanded ISBN number, which means okay. not only are you available on Amazon, but you're also available to the major book distribution channels. So in about four weeks, Airborne can be ordered by just about any major bookstore chain throughout the world. Excellent. And what about what I call the 800-pound gorilla in the room? And you just mentioned it a second ago, marketing. (laughs) Timothy, Mm -hmm. so many authors spend so much time writing and publishing their book, but have no clue on how and what it entails to market it. How do you handle the publicizing and marketing of your books, Tim? It it is the 800-pound gorilla, definitely, and it's definitely. a lot more work. Yeah, it's it's way more work than anybody even anticipates when they get into this. Um, I knew about four years ago I wanted to do a novel, and in going to the writers' conferences, I discovered that you have to get yourself out there and create a brand. My brand is Timothy Trimble. And I started that with Twitter and not so much in the aspect of doing sales pitches because a lot of people do it. Hey, here's my book. Come and buy it. Uh, It's more important to let people get to know who you are as a person. And so, yeah, I started using Twitter as an avenue for saying, hey, here's what's going on in my life as a writer and the things I'm struggling with, dealing with even some opportunities for a little humor now and then. And over the course of the past four years, I've, I'm a little over 6,000 followers. And uh, that has migrated also to doing the Facebook page, 
having a blog, timothytrimble.com, so that I can go into more detail about my writing process and what I've struggled with and getting this story out and the people who have supported me. So it's just mainly getting people to know who you are because if they know who you are, they feel comfortable with you and they'll be more likely to read what you're producing. This piggybacks into my next question. You mentioned Facebook. Let's talk about social media and the importance of that. I know you're on Twitter, as you just said, and Facebook and LinkedIn and such. Um, Timothy, of the social media platforms, which one do you feel is the most beneficial for your brand? And which, in your estimation, is the best for writers or does each platform offer its own special compensations? Yeah, each each platform is a little different in what you can do with it. Um, I would say Twitter has been primarily my primary avenue for gaining initial exposure. Once you get that initial exposure and people are attracted to you and attracted to your stories, then you got to give them someplace else to go. And that's been my, my blog on my website. Um, and also ink it has been a great Avenue as well, because that's right. a place where people can go and read what I have produced. And a lot of writers I've spoken with, they kind of look at me weirdly, like, why are you putting this stuff out there for free? And my answer to that is that, well, how are people going to know the type of stuff I write and know who I am as a writer if they are hesitant to pay money for it? And so I've produced what I hope is quality writing in some of my short stories. Uh, they're available both through the blog and on Inkit, and that way they get to know me and know who I am. And so each avenue is a little different. And then Facebook is primarily the avenue I use for media, uh, videos, pictures, uh, event notifications. And I do plan on expanding into YouTube uh, here in the near future with doing some readings and some videos about the whole process. Sounds great. Sounds like you're covering all the bases. And definitely YouTube will just give you another layer of exposure. So that, that's, that's fantastic. So wrapping it up, Timothy, what's next for Timothy Trimble? What other irons do you have in the fire coming up? More of the uh, Zagan series, or I know you're going to be promoting uh, Airborne. Um, do you have anything else that you're working on? Well, I, I am working on uh, the next vegan story. Uh, it's called In the Belts of Epsilon. Uh, it's already outlined. And, it's a, again, it's another fun Saturday afternoon type matinee story. <laughs> right, and, right. Uh, Sounds great. And I think what the way I'm going to do that is as I create new vegan stories, kind of as fillers, uh, I'm going to add them to the Zegan's Adventure book. So eventually it will continue to grow in size as these stories are added to it. But I also have the outline being worked on for the next Airborne story, which is called Airstorm. And it's uh, a right. sequel to Airborne. And 
I already have people asking me, when are you going to do this? <laughs> so it's pushing me on. Sounds like a plan to me. So, uh, Timothy, how do people get a hold of you, uh, give out any uh, way that you'd like to be contacted, whether it be by your website, Twitter, or whatever? Give out your contact information. Sure, certainly. Well, on Twitter, I'm uh, at Timothy Trimble. Uh, my website is timothytrimble.com. And on Facebook, I'm author Timothy Trimble. And those would be the three primary avenues for getting in touch with me. I would say the number one primary avenue is Twitter. If somebody wants to follow me and send me a direct message, uh, I, I do tend to monitor those and respond to those. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's how you and I got in touch with each other. And, that, and I appreciate your reaching out and this great avenue that you're providing to us authors. I've done over 200 shows. I've started this Funky Writer Show in 2008, and we're an icon right now. We have so many people wanting to get on, and I'm glad that you got on and looking forward to you coming on again when you do other things. Um, This has been the Funky Writer Show with me, Robert Batista. I'm at at author R. Batista on Twitter. Look for my free short stories, Carmela's Dream, and my baby has no name on smashwords.com. And Timothy made such a great comment a second ago. You know, why not give it out free? It could only help. My guest has been the distinguished author, said Timothy Trimble. His new hot release is called Airborne. Go to timothytrimble.com and find out all about it. Hey, Timothy, thank you so much for being a guest on the Funky Writer Show. Thank you, Robert. I really appreciate it. It, It's been great. Have a great evening. Bye now. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.